Welcome to the Hope United Church Podcast. We are one church with two locations. For video live streams of our services and more information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk. verses in John chapter 6 which is a lot and there's a lot for a reason and the reason there's a lot is and a a lot's kind of repeated and emphasized and I think it's repeated and emphasized we need to understand when stuff's repeated and emphasized it's because I call me call me weird here I think it's because that God thinks we don't get something and I think it's because he thinks that we're maybe easy to forget something uh, that he keeps on emphasising it. If you're new here, this is what we do. We we are good through uh, a gospel. In this case, the gospel we've been through the book of Acts, uh, and we finished that last year. And in October time, uh, we went into the gospel of John, and now we're just in chapter six. So you can imagine there's 71 verses in this, and I'm going to get through five here. So we could be in this to next year, John chapter six. But you know. We have to ask ourselves the question, why would we rush? Yeah. What would be the motor pain? What are we trying to prove? You know, you ever done my name? I've read the Bible in a year. You start off dead enthusiastic, didn't you? The Bible. And in January, you're away. Ja- ja- you've done January and February be January. <laughs> By March, it's done, done. No, you've not done it. You, you need another year to finish it, you know, because you set these goals, you know, that you never achieve, you know, Bible in a year. Read a passage a day or a chapter a day. You end up getting dead frustrated and you don't do it. And then what you do is you read one quick just to catch up. There is no effect whatsoever. You'd be as well reading a Chinese menu because it's no penetrated anything in your life whatsoever. So it's actually just been a waste of time. Uh, so uh, things just take time. And if God's highlighting some for a time, then he's highlighting it because we need it. And as I was studying this, I'm thinking, oh, I mean, there's another... This is what I was thinking. I know it's shocking. I'm thinking, but at chapter thirty, we're at verse thirty here in John chapter six. There's another forty going. I'm getting through five today. I mean, come on, let's get moving. Uh, and you, you realise that you know, much of this, this is repeated anyway, and we will get through some stuff. But we'll get through. We get through. It's Easter. I, I've not even, you know, Easter's coming, and uh, that's a great. T- I mean, it's a great time for him. It's a great time for a believer. And it's, it's the most wonderful time, isn't it? No, it's no like Christmas, the most wonderful. It is truly a remarkable... I mean, if you weren't a believer, you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> really, wouldn't you know? See, if you weren't a believer, you wouldn't believe Easter. You know, that, that's, how, that's how unbelievably amazing it is. Uh, so we're excited about that and everything that goes away. And what we do in Easter, do you know what? Nothing. We're just going to preach the word of God the same. You know, we're not going to no, have this over-elaborate, let's have bouncy castles and have... Easter bunnies going up the street, being exit, hoping that you're going to get somebody through the doors of church. You know what I mean? Oh, we'll get, we'll, we'll, we'll invite people, and we'll invite people because you'll invite people, and that's it, and that's how we'll do it. And we'll keep it dead simple. And you know, we've we've had we've had this place absolutely saturated with mini eggs, <laughs> and it's took us a month to get the chocolate out the chocolate out the carpet. You know, and 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 still nobody came to Christ. So we're, you, you've got to be smart about what we do. Of course, we want to connect, but. Let's be smart about it. Okay. Uh, John 6, this is the, uh, um, the same title, but when we go to the podcast, or if you look up, I'll say part two. So it's the same because we're in the same, the exact same passage. It's the bread of life and soul food is the, the subheading, meaning that Jesus is not just here to feed our flesh. Uh, and last week we finished in verse 33. And, and, and as I says, Jesus is now in this long, deep conversation. He's just fed the 5,000, as we know. He's just, he's fed them and everybody's now following them because they're looking for a free meal. Uh, and that's why they're following him. And he constantly keeps addressing this in his ministry in Galilee where he's, he's really, really drilling home. John is, but through the Holy Spirit who's guiding him, he, he really hammered this point home uh, that these people who have seen signs, they've seen miracles, they've been fed and they want Jesus to be the king. But it's not the saviour king. They want him to be the king who provides stuff, who, who provides for them. And uh, if there was ever any doubt, ever any doubt about Jesus being anti the pursuing miracles crowd and how constant performing doesn't necessarily lead to change, 
chap all the chapters for chapter two onwards. I think he Nicodemus in the whole story there, but really chapter six would nail this. If nothing else, if you ever want to speak to MD or if you're ever a, a charismatic flake who's running about pursuing God and chasing them around the world as if God's lost. Oh, God chases how where is he? Is he running away? Oh, as if God's lost. And if you were ever going to convince people, this would be the this would be the convincer of all convincers. And probably then they still wouldn't be convinced just as the people here, wouldn't they? Um, uh, and, and John from, as we know, the Gospel of John, different from the other Gospels, the Gospel of John is constantly nailing home Jesus is sovereign God, not Jesus the man, but Jesus God. And this is why John writes the way he writes, because this is his purpose. Uh, and these Jews can't seem to be going, go beyond the fleshy helper. Yeah, they can't go on. I mean, this is, this is 2,000 years ago here. And it's pretty much the same as what church is like today. The people can't seem to go beyond the fleshy helper, uh, as 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 a day to demand God to solve humanity's issues, you should talk to no. It's not just Christians that want to solve God to solve humanity's issues. Atheists want God to solve humanity's human issues. Even people that don't believe in God want God to solve the problems. You ever notice that? Atheists want God to solve the problems. Uh, but you don't believe in God. Why do you want him to solve it? How can you keep on blaming God for some? You keep on blaming God for things you don't believe in God. Uh, so. This is where Jesus is in and, he, and, and, and everything that he's saying here is to reiterate this and uh, hammer this home. Okay, let's move on. So, so I, I finished at verse 32, but we'll read that. Uh, I finished at verse 33, but I'll read 32. Um, and as I say, it would be easy to whisk through this and, and find a reason why, why we need to keep on hammering home this point. But it's because John keeps on labouring on the point. And I believe it's because we forget. And I believe it's very subtle for a Christian to reduce Jesus to a human uh, <coughs> support. Yeah. Or forget who Jesus is and forget that. And this is the greatest gift, I think, of the Gospel of John. Is that whenever you read it, it keeps on elevating Jesus above your human problem. Yeah. And, and uh, the, as, as we keep on elevating Jesus above aid... And above help, no money's no we were away. And I mentioned it last week in my thinking churches about the decolonization of the mind and basically helping to decolonize Christianity. Yeah. In a sense, you know, Christianity has caused a lot of colonization. <laughs> uh, false Christianity meaning containment. And we really need to help decolonize Christianity. And one of the ways we have to help decolonize Christianity is not keep providing aid. And no just keep providing fleshy needs. And no just keep providing a meal. And no just keep... Because see, the thing is, that, that doesn't take elevate Jesus to above that. And many people who are colonised and they're thinking of reduces Jesus to a human helper. This is why... This is, this is pandemic in Africa. Absolutely. Africa is the worst place I've ever seen for aid. People will queue for anything. People will amen anything for a meal. Oh, they'll walk for miles. You know, you see these things in Reinhard Bonnke stuff. And, you know, uh, some people say, oh, you shouldn't name drop. I'm named drop. I'm, I'm going to say it. Reinhard Bonnke. And he goes to Africa. And there are millions. You ever seen them? <sighs> they're about 50 million. 50 million are coming for a meal. They'll aim in anything. Oh, 50 million. Get 50 million responded. We had 50 million response. Listen, see, if you were starving, what would you respond to? Jesus, I, I would be amening the devil. Do you know what I mean? Who cares? Do you know? And this is, this is, Jesus is constantly reiterating this and, and because we keep on reducing Jesus to a human level. People praying for a husband, a wife, a car, a big telly. I mean, where does it stop? You know, a holiday. You know, all sorts of stuff. You know, all sorts of material. As if Jesus has been reduced to this human provider. Uh, and he's no, he's, he's, he's a soul provider. He's here to provide and elevate our soul and how we think and how we feel and how we act. And this was the opposition, some of the opposition and the mindsets that me and Calm faced when we were in Burma was this trying to elevate and help people to see Jesus above this human need and above this smallness. And John, as we know, is all about this heavenly perspective. 
that we can behold his glory. Uh, James said, well, I don't know, is James in? Is he with the kids? James, James, I don't know if you follow James on Twitter. He's, he, he doesn't say much, but what he says is good. But anyway, he quoted Phil Johnson. Phil Johnson's assistant pastor of Grace Community Church, which is John MacArthur's church in uh, America. And, and James quoted a quote that kind of sums this up, what, what Jesus is saying, and it kind of puts it in a sentence. This is what Phil Johnson says. We are not supposed to think of God as if he is one of us. And it's sinful to think as though he was. It's idolatry to me to remake God into the image of man. And this is what Jesus is addressing here in chapter 6. He's, he's, he's saying, you're, got, you're reducing me to your human level. And that, this is why it's reiterated for 71 verses. Because we keep on reducing Jesus to a human level. And, and we compare him to a human level. We compare him to a, being a good guy or a good man. And as you know, if, if you've been part of this, which most of us have, all through to chapter 6, this has been, been Jesus' swan song and he's been hammering us home because we, we can't seem to stop it. We can't seem to stop reducing. We don't know who we've got. And that's the problem. See if we knew who we had, think we would worry so much. See if we knew who we had, think we would be demented as what we were. See if we knew who he would, do you think we'd be doing stuff on our own endeavour and our own and that's that's why we have to this is why Apostle Paul and the apostles, this is why they lived the life they lived, because they had Jesus in such a high level and they never bring them down for that high level. It was much easier for them to be prisoners and be persecuted and face hardship and pay stuff faced off because they didn't have emotional meltdowns every two minutes something was happening because they realised the God they were serving yeah. you know and sometimes we, we went the wrong road we, and we try and keep on adapting and overcoming stuff and we're realising that you know the problem is is Jesus is not enough yeah. the problem is is that Jesus is not big enough in your life that's the thing that's the big problem if Jesus, if Jesus was bigger in our life then we wouldn't be having panic attacks and meltdowns and all the stuff that goes with it and flinging all sorts of stuff at the problem that's the issue so anyway here we go John six thirty two. then Jesus says to him most assuredly I say to you Moses did not give you the bread from heaven but my father gives you the true bread from heaven verse 33 for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world verse 34 then he said to them this is what they said. This is where we start, finished off last week. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. They're saying, provide our physical needs always. Make us full always. Make us live an easy street always. Oh, make us live a good life always. Jesus, if you could just be your provider. They think this is, Jesus has came to think, what an opportunity here. We don't need to do anything ever again. And Jesus is just going to rain manna for heaven. We don't need to work hard. We don't need to do anything. Jesus is going to be our provider. And they think this is just, they want, Jesus is going to be on tap now. Jesus on tap. Jesus on tap. If you go to a charismatic, if you go to a charismatic revival meeting, that's what Jesus, Jesus on tap. Jesus on stuff on tap. Breakthrough on tap. No, uh, everything on tap. You just need to tap into it. Don't you realise that's what's wrong with you? You're not tapping into it. Don't you realise you're not tapping into it? Mm, you're not tapping into the promise. Yeah. I think this is the most amazing opportunity, and this is so common, as we know, the day in Christian faiths. God is my supplier. He's like the delivery man. Isn't he? You just need to phone up. Dial a miracle. They've got that. Uh, they've got that now, just to let you know. They've got that. Dial a healing. Dial a healing. There's places I've got dial a dial a healing. I'd be that. Honestly, my phone would never be on hook. You'd never get me. I'd be that dial a healing. Dial a healing. No. And some people have got dial a healing, but they've got a disclaimer in case you don't come through. Yeah. In case you sue them for no getting the healing. This is how crazy it gets. And God's the supplier, the delivery man. He helps you get what you want, doesn't he? God's here to help you get what you want. And they've reduced Jesus to this provider for the flesh. This is what they've done. Uh, okay, we've got, some people won't ask for it outright, okay? We, we've got people who are a bit more subtle than that. They won't go, God, give me my man. They won't say, God, give me my man, but they'll kid on their, their kid on their worship because they think that's what the man wants. Oh, see that? That's too sore for a Sunday morning, isn't it? <laughs> so what they'll do is they'll fake worship because they think that'll go the need out of people. So they, they won't ask outright, but they will behave in a Christian way thinking they'll still get what they want. 
No, I'm not really worshipping right. Oh, we were with somebody recently and they could, they could greet one. Have you met anybody that can cry on tap for effect? Don't you, don't you hate that in church? Don't, don't, no, like, they're, they're, they're preaching all of a sudden. <coughs> I'm thinking, your, your sermon's no good enough, so you're hoping this, this cry is going to goad me into the emotional yeah. side of whatever's going on in you, you know? And I just, and I was like, oh, oh no, I, feel, I, I don't feel drawn into the message. I feel embarrassed. Because it's like a forced cry, you know, people are, maybe people are laying hands on you and praying and they just, the breathing changes, doesn't it? It's a nightmare. The breathing starts changing as they're laying hands on you, you know. And I'm like, you're, you're ready for an Oscar winning performance here. And, and I'm here. I'm the prop in your show. God. His language is changing. I don't get, Lord. And I'm thinking, this is a performance here. It's a nightmare. And especially when you're in the receiving end yet. Yeah. And you're just going, you just want to go out, didn't you? But then you're trying to think, when's the best time to tell them to shut up? <laughs> do you ever feel that? When do I stop them? When, do I tell them to stop or do I let them finish their rant? Because you feel bad if you just go, well, I do anyway. You feel bad if you just go, people are always coming up to me wherever I'm like, can I pray for you, Pastor? Sure. No, I'm delighted. I'll, I'll take any and I've got, but it, it usually, not always, but if it's a charismatic or something, it usually ends up with a, <coughs> usually ends up with that. And I'm like, do I, do I just stop the noon and say, stop that! Behave! <laughs> Behave yourself! Or do I just let them carry on? I don't know. And I, I cannot just go with the flow and can I amen the close? Amen, a, amen, amen. Trying to amen the finish, do you know what I mean? Uh, people. Uh, but this is where it is, and this is what Jesus, this physical supplier who will help them get their wants. And because we can be much more subtle, we can pretend, we can fake cry, we can fake worship, look like we're really committed, look like we're more committed than what we are because we think somehow God's, God does, thinking that God doesn't see you kidding on your worship. Yeah. You know, thinking that, don't get me wrong, I mean, you just go, I'm the worship and I'm letting you know it. You know, <laughs> there's that performance stuff uh, and as I say I've seen a, a lot of this in Africa really a lot of it. and I'm sure Donna who's Donna lived in Africa for four months Donna went on honeymoon for four months to Africa with James what was that good for you they thought that was it you, know, you were seeing that here's what's worse than this here's what's worse than this what about the needy people who pretend they've got something to offer you this is some we seen when we were away and all. Uh, needy, fleshy providers who love the attention of the freight providers so they can't actually, they're blinded. They're so desperate for the attention of the people that's amening and crying for help that they keep on kind of fake providing for them but they're not really providing soul food for them. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So they're providing a, 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 a need. We've we seen this in abundance. It was frightening. Where, where people were providing a fleshy need. But the fleshy need never wanted to elevate people to Jesus being their sole provider. Yeah. It only wanted to keep them in that fleshy We Just remember, just remember, just remember who gives you the loaf of bread here. Yeah. Yeah, let's not get above our station because next week I'll give you another loaf of bread and I'll keep you small. Uh, okay, let's let's move on here. Uh, and Jesus said, let me just say, he's no fool with that one, but... Uh, give us this bread, Jesus, and because we really want you, Jesus says, do you? You really want me? All uh, right, so you do. So let's move on. Verse, verse 35, 36, and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, yet you do not believe. Jesus says, anyone who comes to me for the right reason, they who come to me for me, this is in effect what he's saying. People that come to me for me. Yeah. Uh, anybody that's been truly saved never came to Jesus ever. You, no, think about when you get saved. Think about when you get saved. You never had a bag of demands. You were just sorry. Yeah. Really, weren't you? You never had any demands. All your demands left you and you just did sorry. You didn't go. MD it truly comes to Jesus. Does he come to Jesus with a bag of demands? They've no other demands of when. All they come as is a sinner. Yeah. 
That's all the comments. Nobody ever comes to Jesus with demands, ever. They might try, but they'll never truly come to Jesus with demands. They come to me for me. This is what he's saying. Anyone who wants me for me, anyone who is nothing but sin, is them who I will fill. This is what he's saying. This is no physical need or hunger. This is Jesus saying them who are spiritually hungry or spiritually thirsty. These are the ones who come to me. Yeah. And there's so many people in church, you see this, there's so many people in church who are no spiritually hungry. Let me ask a question. I have to fire this out. Are you spiritually hungry? I have to come to church spiritually hungry. It can't be a box ticking exercise. If you don't come to church spiritually hungry, then you're just box ticking. You know, spiritually hungry. Come, Bible open, in the word, saturating yourself. And some people don't come hungry. They don't come to lean in or we have deep desire for God and his word. But they come either from habit or for a want. Or maybe they did come, this is common, maybe they did come at one point through hunger. But they've allowed life and maybe even fake followers. There's nothing like a fake follower to kill your appetite, isn't it? Sometimes you come and then you just go, I'm looking at you. And many people, they've came to Christ and they've been so, they've loved the word. Do you remember when you first got saved, you couldn't get enough yet? Remember that? You couldn't get it. That's why we have to keep on, keep on, keep my appetite strong and we never allow somebody else to kill our appetite because they put poison in the pudding yeah. or they put some in your life to make you lose your appetite for God. Yeah. Uh, many people have came at one point through hunger. But they've allowed life or fake followers or takers or fleshy Christians to affect them so much. remember being in church one time and a pastor says, I says, I was talking to him about some of the people in the congregation we were having a chat. Uh, and he says, you know what? They've been hurt. They've been, the reason they don't come to church is because they've been hurt with church. I says, well, that's no excuse. Yeah. I says, because they've not been hurt. They've not been hurt with God. They've not been hurt with Christ. They've been hurt with a human. Yeah. Yeah. I says, so stop making excuses for people walking away from God. Yeah. You know, because there's no excuse. You know, and this is what happens. We often come and then we don't like what somebody else has ate. Have you ever noticed this? Oh, and I know this, this is deeper than you think here as I was studying this. In my own life, I've, I've experienced it in my own life. It's happened where my appetite, my appetite for God and his word has kind of lost its sweetness and its taste because of how I'm watching somebody else eating. I mean, it's a bit like saying, I'm never going to eat spaghetti again because of the mess that Wayne made when they were eating it. I mean, isn't that stupid? Look at that. Oh, I'll never eat spaghetti again. Alexander's too. You want to see him eating spaghetti? It's like, honestly. <laughs> you ever seen a man eating spaghetti? It's, it's a mess. I mean, sometimes I look and go, oh, stop it. Stop allowing. But you need, use mothers and fat. You just know you've got to allow them to, you've got to allow them to try and find their mouth. Do you know what I mean? You've got to allow it. Some, and it'll be in their eyeball and their hair. And The, the, the only problem I've got with is it's still that two hours later. Ah, oh, cute. It's no cute. Get that tomato sauce off their face. It's no cute. But at the time, you've just got to allow it, ain't you? It's in their hair and everything. No, imagine we were like this, and this is, this, is, this is how childish we can be. Well, that's how I'm not sure about God's word anymore. Now, have you seen the state of the way they eat spaghetti? <laughs> have you seen the state of that immature Christian there? Um, we have to remember that and never allow that to start to either change your appetite or, 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 or quash your appetite. So never allow a damaged fake follower to kill your appetite for spiritual nourishment, ever. And it's happened, isn't it? Because I, I know it's happened. I see as a pastor for many years now, amount of conversations I've had with people where they're, they're in church and they're still no getting over and we get that. I'm not trying to judge why people are struggling with stuff and what resentment they've got and what lack of forgiveness they've got. I'm not there to judge that. But but really, we should be mature enough to get out of it. And we have to be mature enough to get out of it so that we can keep on feeding ourselves. Starving yourself to death because somebody else, somebody else never fed you right. It's just crazy. Just, it's just insane, and that's this is why we've got, and this is what was happening here. Uh, and the devil will use these types to kill your appetite way more than a heathen. Trust me, 
a believer, a so-called believer's kelp more of your appetite for God's word than a heathen ever has. <laughs> Heathens don't kill your appetite for God's word. Believers do. Because they why they eat their spaghetti. And because how they try and feed you that word. And how they package that word. So you, you end up turning away from it. And this is why we have to saturate ourselves constantly in God's word. Uh, there are too many believers starving in church. Due to no liking how someone else eats. How crazy is that? Uh, Jesus then places the blame. This is what he does. I love this. Jesus then places the blame on the Jews for rejecting him. He says, you have seen me and yet you do not believe me. You have seen what I've done, but don't believe who I am. And for that, you're responsible. And this is an important statement, especially for what comes next and also for Calvinists and that, the, the Calvinist mindset that, about predestination, which is right. But, and it's, yes, I choose you, but you also decided not to choose me. Yeah. I choose you, but you did also choose not to choose me. Sure. Jesus is not responsible for someone else's rejection of himself. Them who refuse him out. And let me add this, Jesus is saying, because he knows he gave them enough. See, at this point, Jesus knows he's gave everybody enough to believe in him, who he's talking to. Yeah. He's gave everybody enough to believe in who he truly is. He knows that. We don't, reading the text, we don't really see that. But based on what Jesus says, he knows that. I have gave you enough to believe in who I truly am. This is what he's saying. Yet you still refuse to accept that. It's an important thing to learn because often, especially if you've tried to win souls in your family, we often think that we haven't said enough or done enough. Yeah. You ever thought that? I've not said enough or done enough. Yeah. Or, or presented Jesus enough. And that's why people are not coming to him. Yeah. Now that may be the case. And often in our human life, that can be the case because we're ashamed of the gospel and we don't preach it enough and we don't share our faith enough uh, and sometimes us mere mortals, sometimes we don't share our faith enough. Uh, but often, often that you've shared enough for them to know and still say no. Yeah. Often you've shared enough. Yeah. Jesus never was discouraged by people not coming to him yeah. through his works or endeavours because it says, I'm only here to do the will of the Father. So he was never affected by it. Yeah. He never allowed the crowd's appetite for signs and wonders to direct his ministry, which we see today. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the crowd demand, the crowd demand, it's easy for me. I have to, I have to constantly, less so now, but probably the first six months, maybe longer than that, when we started to change who we were as a church and preach the word, verse upon verse, when the word of God was found, I had to constantly battle. And it was what was going on in me. I'd be constantly part of this desire to stop getting you stuff that would excite you, man. And make you feel better. And make you do a victory lap. Trying to quash that thought inside. Look, they're fed up. They're no boat. Look, they're no happy. They're no, they're no smiling here. They've they're, been dancing by now. And, and no, I'm, I'm looking for that. I'm looking for you to get excited. We're not having an amen. Nobody's jumping up and doing a, a river dance. Oh, no, I'm, I, and, and so I'm having to manage that, thinking, well, that's what they want. Yeah. And what happens is that two things. One, we have to know, listen to what the, one, what the crowd wants, and two, see if we start, if that's what we feed people for the start, we better realise that that's what they're going to want forever. Yeah. So if your first introduction to Christianity, and we talked about that, I'm not going to get into it, is, listen, I'll just friend and manify heaven. What happens next week when somebody else comes and goes, oh, boring, boring. Let's get the manna for heaven back. Let's get the signs and wonders and miracles back, you know, because that, that's, that becomes your appetite. Yeah. And this is why we need to fully immerse ourselves in what the text is actually saying. Mm -hmm. We have to fully immerse ourselves in the text, what the text is saying, so we don't stir up the wrong appetite. Yeah. And people, we have to no stir up the wrong appetite. How many books are there on how good a mum you can be? I mean, just going to Watersons, how, how to become a great mum, 12 weeks. 12 weeks? 20 years I've been trying, I'm still no good. How to become a good mum in 12 weeks? Oh. How, to be, how to be a faithful father? How about that, man? How to be an amazing wife? 
How to win friends and influence people. All this stuff. I tell you how. Search you get yourself in the depth of God's word. So you become great at everything. That's how you become God's version of everything. Just saturate yourself in that. First seek the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added. No. I'm not saying all books are bad. Just just in case you file that out. I'm not saying that all books are bad. But listen, you're not going to become wife of the year because you've read wife of the year book. <laughs> okay? You know, you know. You're going to have to saturate yourself in God's word. Yeah. Here's a good here's a good litmus test, just, just in case you're wondering. Has anyone ever wondered, have I shared enough? Have you ever thought, have I shared enough? Yeah. Have I really shared enough? Here's a good litmus test whether, you, whether you've shared enough and they're actually just denying Christ because you've had shared enough. Here, here's a couple of good things to test. Uh, people who tend to change the subject have heard enough. Okay, People who change the subject have heard enough. Uh, people who are uncomfortable around you have heard enough. Okay? That doesn't mean to say they've heard enough so you have to shut up. It just means that they've heard enough to know who Jesus is and still don't want him. Okay? People who have wee private digs while you're talking about some, oh, here they come, holier than that. You know that one? You know the, you know the, wee, the, the wee private dig? Fraser told me a cracker. I could, you know one of the ones the tears are running down your face, you can't stop laughing? He says he met a guy the other day in a shop and he says, Oh, Fraser be thy name. <laughs> That's what he called him. That was his nickname. Oh, it's Fraser be thy name. Uh, I couldn't stop. I thought, That's classic. I love that. I, 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 I want to meet that guy. Oh, it's Fraser be thy name. No, it was mockery. But the guy... Because obviously, in Fra- I says, what, what was that? And Fraser was saying, is, when, I was in, when I was doing my uni course, one of his uni courses, he's got that many different uni things he's done. But he, one of his uni courses, he, he would constantly be talking about Jesus and that. Uh, and if you know Fraser, he's always talking about it. And the guy, he was, he was, he was labelled in the classes, Fraser be thy name. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> it's better. It was the Fraser be it was there he is, praise the Lord. That's better, isn't it? That's better. See, he's didn't you laugh at the first one, but that's brilliant. Oh. Me and, Fra- me and Fraser started texting back all different folks' names in the church through that fruit 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 the night, just oh it was pathetic. But you know what I mean? It was, it was oh, Fraise the Lord, you know. Don't you love that? And that that do you know what that tells me? That guy's heard enough. That guy's here. That doesn't mean to say you won't keep talking to him. But he's heard enough. Uh, private digs. You ever have that? You ever perceive power leaving you? You ever done that? Let me just be very quick here because I want to finish up. You know when Jesus was, you'll maybe have heard me talk about this. You know when Jesus was in the crowd and the woman who was hemorrhaging for 12 years crawls through the crowd and she tucks, touches the hem of Jesus' garment? And he says, I perceive power leaving me there. Yeah. And the disciple says, how would you know who it was that touched you? Well, there's, there's a whole story about that another day. But what, what also Jesus was saying is, is that this person was looking for a healing, a private healing at my expense. Yeah. Sometimes a wee dig, you ever get that and somebody says something, you're like, oh, oh, hold on. The agenda behind that. Sometimes I say to folks, do you want me to answer that or do you want me to answer the agenda that was behind? Well, I don't say it, but I think it. I used to say it. I wouldn't say it, but I think it. Uh, and you just know they were just looking for a wee hidden dig there. Yeah. No, no. I need to just say this, and I know you are not like that, but see if you just stop it. Because people people can spot that a mile away, by the way. They know what a hidden dig. And you're like, how is a wee agenda there behind that? Just, you no, know, Grace says a lot less than what it knows. Uh, and sometimes... That is proof that somebody's heard enough of the gospel. Uh, what about uh, people that struggle to be honest? See, when people are running about you, they struggle to be f- honest. Yeah. They've usually heard enough. Uh, people who struggle to be free and they're nervous running about you, the chances are they've heard enough. Uh, and there's no more creative uh, evidences needed, although we should always... Uh, let me just say, as I move on for that, 
Because of that, that doesn't mean to say that you shouldn't share the gospel. Let me just say that. It doesn't mean to say that you shouldn't share your faith because people are, you just got to keep going. Uh, this is how Hendrickson puts this, which I love in his commentary. He says, does that mean that all who come can take the credit, seen as we are responsible for no coming? This is what it can look like. So if people, are no, if people are responsible for no coming, does that mean we're responsible for coming? No. The answer in the next verse is an emphatic no. The next verse is a brilliant verse. And this is where I'll bring this into close. How to answer and give people understanding about predestination and whomsoever. Because this is a battle, isn't it? How do we get it? Are we predestined or whomsoever? Both. How do we figure that out? Because works-based faith can be easily misinterpreted in this verse. And... If you do, you're really going to take your whole faith in a, a different way when it becomes works-based where we're, where, where we're going today. This is what it says in verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. Yeah. Verse 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Okay, so verse 37. Let me just say this. This is no a two-point verse. There are no two different things here. There's no them who God's chose and then if you choose, there's, it's, it's one thing. This is no one type. This is one type of salvation. Let me explain this. All that the Father gives me, okay, that's quite easy. All whom the Father decides. Yeah. No one can come to the Father unless, no one can come to me unless the Father first draws him. Right, he says that in a couple of verses in the line. We get that. So we know this is what it says, Romans 8, 29 and 30, because this is all about predestination. This. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he glorified. Uh, uh, and here in verse 37, it's complex because it looks like there are two ways to come to Christ. One is by predestination. Meaning that God's chose you, know that you chose him. And the other is that you chose him and he'll not reject you because you chose him. Yeah. It's, it's not the case because the second part in who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. This is what we call an, a, a lie totes or a lie, a, a lie totus it's called, right? It, it means that you're using a negative to confirm a positive. If I had to say to somebody, if I had to say to Fraser, Fraser somebody says, they're nice glasses, that's a positive to emphasise the point. But if I says, their glasses aren't too bad, that's emphasising the point as well, but it's still the same thing. Yeah. Okay, this is complex, so I'll try and just bring this in because it is quite complex if you read the scripture wrong here. But it is important. It might not feel like that, but it's so important because this is the battle versus grace, whether grace happens. And this is this is where liberalism's gone, and I'll, I'll get into that. Uh, it's the same thing, but differently. Jesus is no stating two types of saving faith. So some people say, how do you get saved? Do you call in the name of the Lord and you'll be saved? Yeah. Are you predestined? Yes. What? How do you manage that? It's a total statement. People say this to me. And this is why it says, people say this to me. I know you've probably heard it. Jesus isn't for me. You ever said that? He's no for me. I tried Jesus, but... It's not for me. It's almost as if they're making an excuse that Jesus didn't pick them. This is, this is why this statement's in. It's not the case. This is where we take responsibility. Lest anyone says, the Father didn't call me or Jesus rejected me. Yeah. It's no two types of salvation. It's one and it's all by grace and it's all done by the Father who foreknew us. Lest anyone boast or blame anyone. Let me say this. The greatest threat to Christianity today is no Hinduism Muslims, Buddhists. The greatest attack in the Western Christianity today is liberalism. This is the greatest attack in Christianity. It's the greatest attack in the Western world today is liberalism. And we don't often see what liberalism is truly attacking. We think liberalism, see liberalism fights for gender equality. He, she, it. Liberalism fights for gay rights and all that. And we think and what happens is we, we often, Christianity, we get caught up in that battle, yeah. no realising what it's actually tearing down. Yeah, yeah. What liberalism is destroying is grace. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. I mean, you might be no thought about it. What liberalism is really destroying is predestination and grace. Because yeah. what it's going to say is, is if you're good enough, that's good enough. Yeah. 
See, one of the problems is, is that we get caught up in the fight between gender equality and all that stuff, and we're in, in that fight, when really the enemy's behind that attacking grace. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. Uh, and we get caught up in the gay fight, the transgender fight, all sorts. And liberalism's fighting something else. It's a fight that says, how dare you equate God to saving faith? Yeah. How dare you equate God to you being chosen? How dare you equate God to non-works-based? Yeah. I was talking to somebody yesterday, or recently, or it was yesterday, should have said recently, but it was yesterday, and uh, they says to me, we were chatting, and they says to me, they says, uh, do you know what? It's not about whether you're a Christian, whether you're a Muslim, whether you're a Buddhist, whether you're a Hindu. It's nothing to do with that. It's, it's how good you are. That's liberalism, by the way. I says, well, how good can you be? Yeah. He says, it's about how good you are. I says, I, I, and I says to him, I says, it's not about how good you are. Right. And what then they were saying is, he says, I know gay people that's, and this is not a fight against gays here. I know gay people that's better than a lot of Christian people. Says, no doubt, so they are. Yeah. <laughs> and I know people are this and no so they are. And what happens is, liberalism then is attack. This is what liberalism's attacking. You don't see it. Because you end up getting caught with the rabbit with the headlights. Yeah. That you don't realise that liberalism is actually attacking grace. Yeah. And how God operates. Yeah. And salvation and how salvation works and how that works. That's what liberalism's attack on. Because how dare you think that you can be saved when you're no good? Yeah. And they're good and they can't. Yeah, right. How dare you think? How dare you think that you could, that you could go to heaven? By faith through grace alone. And you're not a very nice person. Yeah, I know somebody that's dead nice that's a wee boy that wants to be a wee lassie. But they're smashing. Yeah. And they don't. Now, I'm not saying that that doesn't make you get to heaven. I'm just, I'm just saying that's the thing that they'll tackle. Yeah. So how dare you? How dare we judge like that? And this is, you need to realise that liberalism, this is what liberalism will do. This is the attack. It's the attack in the grace of God. It's an attack on sovereign election. Yeah. You're not elected because you're elite. <laughs> you're not, it doesn't make you elite. Uh, and liberalism is a full-blown attack in the gospel of election and grace. That's what it is. Yeah. And often we're fighting the wrong fight because we're getting caught up in some gender equality and some stuff. And, and this is where we'll take it because when you get caught up in that stuff, really, our argument is, look, God's word says that and that's what it is. And this person I was talking to, they say, well, listen, I, I know Muslims and you can't tell me that they're no good. I said, fair enough. He says, it's about how good you are. So heaven's going to be about how good you are. Well, nannies are good enough. How good can you be? Nannies are good enough. We all sin and fall short of glory. You'll never be good enough, whether you're Muslim, Hindu or no. And I says, I says, there's only one way that you can be saved. I'm saying to the person, I says, there's only one way you can be saved. I says, you're a liberal, you're, you're liberal, you're, you're, you, you, you want to bring equality things because you can't cope. And what I realised is, this is what I realised I'm talking about, you've heard enough about Jesus. Yeah. This is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, you've actually heard enough. Yeah. You've actually heard enough about Jesus and you've chosen not to accept him, you've rejected him. Yeah. The truth is, anyway, as I close, no matter how I explain it or how deep we go, no one can fathom the incomprehensible depth of God when it comes to saving faith through election yeah. and the human endeavour and responsibility. To us, it's a mess. What do you mean, them soever? Whomsoever, right? Whoever is thirsty, come. All right, I'm thirsty, I'm coming, I've got to get saved. And then it says, eh, no one can come unless the Father says, where is that? I'm thirsty, I'm no. You don't know. Them who call in the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. You're thinking, what, have I calling the name? Is that me it's called? Is that you? Have I the chose? Have you chose? And see, God in the background, he's like, harmony. Yeah. See, him, it's just harmony. See, yours, you're like, what? <laughs> and then the, liberal, the liberalism comes in. Don't, don't get caught in the liberal fight yeah. as if it's a fight, if it's a, fi if it's a fight just for equality. It's not a fight for equality. Yeah. Do you think the devil's fighting for equality? It's, it's deeper than that. It's a fight for salvation, true salvation that comes through faith. Yeah. 
Let me finish on, on this note about predestination. This is how I would say it. This is what you would need to say if, if God didn't know. So see if that scripture says that some are known, them who he's foreknown, he's predestined. And then in the other note it says, whoever comes to me, I'll no cast out. So that's like saying that there's many people who have been saved that God's knew about. And there's some that he's just falling out on a daily basis. This is, this is, this is how it operates. So you can't say that uh, some people are chosen by God and some weren't from the start. But then they decided later. That means that God, still to this day, only knows a wee bit about who's coming to his dinner party in heaven. I mean, is that crazy? Is that crazy? Like, who's... Matt, you just send, a, send an email to heaven. By the way, two folk get saved today. God's like, who? 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 Think about it. Isn't it crazy? Who? Who gets saved today? John and Jim. John and Jim, right, John. Right, okay. I'll need to say another table. I'll need to get another table set here. I didn't expect them. I only knew who was coming. I didn't know who was coming. So I've, imagine, Jesus, go and build another mansion. They're more coming than you thought. Are they? I didn't know. I, 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 just got, I just got notification there. I just got notification there. A, 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 a sermon that two people responded and gave their life to Christ. But they chose they chose, they decided to walk forward. They weren't in my preordained plan. They, they were the later type. <laughs> Is that stupid? Yeah. This kind of sums up predestination. Them who he's foreknown is predestined. Okay? This is how it is. Nay heavenly email gone to God weeks later. Uh, crazy, don't you think? Yeah. Imagine you served a God who didn't know what was going to happen next. Would you? Uh, and this is why we should hallelujah and amen that we have been saved. Verse 39 and 40 is a big amen. This is, this is, this, this is what you get a victory lap for being a believer. Verse 39 and 40. Uh, you can come up, Fraser. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all who has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise up in the last days. And this is the will of the Father who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up in the last day. Here's, the, here's, here's what he's saying. Saving faith can not be lost. Don't ever tell, let him to tell you that you've, lost your, that you've, that you've no get saving faith anymore. You can lose your salvation. Some people believe it. Cannot lose your salvation because see the thing is Jesus is just says you can't. He? he just says you cannot lose your salvation. Saving faith cannot be lost. Will always be protected. Always be protected. Will never ever be forsaken. Excuse me. Will never be took away. The elect will be guarded to the end. You will be guarded to the end because you've been saved. You've been chosen. You will be guarded and protected to the very end. Do you know that, people? They will have a counsel that can't be changed. God will never change. He's the same. He's got to speak to you the same way today, tomorrow and forever. A calling that can't be revoked. The gifts and calls of God are irrevocable. You've got a calling that will never change based on your behaviour. Never changing your behaviour. You're called. Never can change. Never can. Disney matter. I've not been great. Disney matter. But I've no done it. Doesn't matter. See, how can liberalism cope with that? How can liberalism cope with that when somebody's just lovely? How can liberalism cope with you as a Christian having a meltdown, having death by duvet, and they're changing the world, and yet you're saved and they're not? We've got to change it. So it's an attack on grace, it's an attack on election. It's a attack on predestination. This is why this is why the reformers will fight this so hard. Because it's attack, it's attack on your very soul. It's an inheritance that can't be defiled. It's a foundation that can't be shaken ever. It's a seal that can't be broken, and it's a life that cannot and will not ever perish. Ever. You will endure to the end. As a believer, what a promise. Yeah. We're no elite, we're elect. Yeah. We will all believers will endure to the end. 
I don't think I'll make it. Too late, you've made it. <laughs> I don't think I'll make it. I'm no good enough. Good, you'll never be good enough. You're in. Why? Because he chose you for the foundation of the very earth. What are we moaning about? We will endure to the end. Where we hear this? This is why he says in the last days. This is the most amazing promise ever. With all the elect, we will stand with all the elect in the last days. In the last days, we will all stand with all the elect, saints the lot. Who knows where? But we'll all stand with the elect. You will stand with the apostles and the saints. That's why we are partakers with the saints. You will all stand with the saints. I don't know. Anne-Marie, for all I know, I don't know why I said you, I just clocked you at the corner of my eye. For all I know, Anne-Marie, you'll be standing next to John and Peter in the last day with the elect. You don't know, but you'll definitely be standing with the elect. This is an amazing promise. Due to the end, present with the elect in the last days, Stand amongst the saints. Always be present with the Lord. Always, 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 always. For the rest of your eternity, you will live in the presence with the Lord for eternity. Because Jesus has came. He's took away your sins. He's called you. He's chosen you. He's set you apart. And he died in a tomb. And he rose again. And so you're clean. And he's coming back. He's coming back. And he's coming back in judgment, but he's also coming back for us. He's coming back for the elect. He's coming back for us. And his glory's coming and we're going to see it and we're going to be partakers with it because we've been saved by grace through faith and no by works that we would boast. No wonder he says, don't weep. (laughs) Don't fear the Lord your God is coming to take you home for good. How amazing is that? That's a promise. It goes on for this to verse 59 and it's the exact same. He's just hammering it home and we'll finish last next week, including talking about Judas who rejected him. Including Judas. It ran about this time. No, as you read the scripture, it was run about this time that Judas just says that many of the, disi- the disciples, they turned away from him. And we'll finish that next week. But that's, there's a promise of God. And yeah. How good's God? I think the thing is, I've heard people saying this, they said to John MacArthur, he says, do you think you'll be surprised about who's in heaven and who's no? He says, that'll be the last thing in my mind. I'll be shocked that I get in. <laughs> Will you not be? Will you not be? Shocked that you get in? It's the holy chapter six is about, about election, predestination, God being the sole provider for your life. And we're partakers with the saints. Uh, what a promise. Yeah. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Hope United. You can stay connected with us through our Facebook, Twitter and Instagram pages.